Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. But let's dive in. So here's what I want you to know. Every day during this 21 days of prayer, I'm going to start off the message with a little bit of a tidbit out of this whisper book by Mark Batterson. But in that book, and we just read one chapter every two days, you're going, oh my gosh, I'm behind a week. You're three chapters. The whole book's only 200 pages, okay? It literally, you'll get into this book, you'll be amazed. Mark Batterson is a phenomenal author. He's my favorite author. But he talks about these kneeling spots. And it's where we're going to eventually go today because it's a phrase that I've gotten so enthralled with from reading this book twice. To me, it's the biggest premise that, that God has put in my heart. But, but he's talking about in 1940, Okay, in 1940, Dr. J. Edward Orr was taking a group of Wheaton College kids to study abroad in England. And they were going to this one particular house that is very well known. It's where the Methodist Museum is now located because it's where John Wesley grew up. But when they were viewing this, they went to this one particular room that was known to be John Wesley's room. And they noticed over in the corner that on the hardwood floor, there were two spots that had been worn out. They were knee holes, literally like somebody had knelt there. And what they have realized is that's the spot where John Wesley, on a regular basis, would kneel down and he would pray to God. Now, to give you a little bit of understanding of who John Wesley is, other than just the whole Methodist thing, if you want to study spiritual awakenings, especially the awakenings around Savannah, Georgia, it was the Wesley brothers that led that charge that God used. In fact, the Spirit of God fell so heavy during those great awakenings that they would say as boats were coming towards the shore, that the quickening of the Spirit would hit them, and they would show up, and they would say, I don't know what's going on, but I need to talk to somebody because I need to know something about this Jesus and about this God. And so Wesley and all of his people would be on the docks just receiving them after they got off the boat. How awesome would that be? That as people just drove by, that they would have a quickening in their spirit, knowing that there's something more in my life. Well, going back to this story, they were getting done with this little field trip, going to John Wesley's home, and the professor looked around, and he realized that that they were missing somebody. And so they went to try to find where this young man was, and they went back to this room where these knee holes were, where John Wesley's prayed, and they found a very young college student by the name of Billy Graham. And he was kneeling in those same holes. And all he was saying, here was his prayer. You ready? Lord, do it again. I want to spend some time today talking about what would it look like to see God move in a miraculous way. I want us to ask God to do it again. And then here was the thing. Are you ready? And I wrote it down in my notes to make sure I say it correctly. If we do what they did in the Bible, God will do what he did in his word. And I came across something as I was reading Whisper and reading different things and preparing for this series of 21 Days of Prayer and knowing what we're going to be doing. And I thought, you know, if it's true what I just said, that if we will do what they did in the Bible, that God will do the things that he did, then what does that mean for us, right? Like, how do we do that? And I started thinking about, you know what, and something that's really intriguing is how do we handle spiritual things? Like, I think the way that we handle spiritual things and the obedience that we have towards spiritual things really governs our leverage. I don't mean leverage like we can tell God what to do. I'm saying God rewards obedience. I'm not a health and wealth prosperity person. I, don't, I think it's out of the pits of hell. So I'm not telling you today to leave here and ask for a Cadillac, because to be honest with you, you're probably not gonna get a Cadillac, all right? 
But God is going to provide when you have the desires of him in your heart, and he will give you desires of your heart in that moment. And so with that being said, I came across an amazing, amazing biblical account. I'm really intrigued, like I said, with the Old Testament. In particular, Moses. He's one of many favorite characters I have out of the Old Testament. And we all think about Moses and what? The burning bush. You know, hey, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Oh, there's a bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. You know, who is this? And he gets this calling to bring people out of captivity. I'm intrigued with Moses because his calling is the same calling you have. To take people that are enslaved out of slavery into freedom. To take people that are captive in sin, and through the way you love them and show them God, they will go from being captivated in sin and captured and in chains and bondage to getting to God's promised land, which is salvation through Jesus Christ. See, the New Testament version of Moses is you. God is still calling people to bring people from captivity to freedom. But it's no longer a staff that turns into a snake or the water parting open. It's your life and your testimony and how God moves in your life and the way people see Jesus in you. And so Moses, we think about this burning bush, and we're like, wow, but did you know that God spent many different times speaking to Moses? He's one of the few characters in God's word that actually saw God and spent time with God. In fact, it was Moses that he hid in the cliffs of the rocks, and Moses saw God's bosom, is what Scripture says. Now, I worked with students for 25 years. <laughs> That's just funny. Yeah, like, really? Like, out of all the parts I'm going to see, I'm, I, I didn't even know God had a bosom, right? But he did. But it's one of those things that we realize that in this one particular thing, if you study the book of Exodus, that, that basically Exodus is set up with, with setting up this new covenant. In fact, from chapter 19 all the way through about 42, 43, really the end of the book, it's all setting up this new covenant. Genesis, God created this covenant with man, and we broke that covenant. And then all of a sudden, we are in captivity. We are doing these different things. God's people have been, been captivated in Egypt. They have fled. They're looking to the promised land. And God's setting up this new covenant. And he gives them all of this stuff. And if you look at the scripture, and you're going to see it on the screen, but in Exodus chapter 24, verse 18, it says that Moses went to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. And during that time, he literally had a conversation with God. They talked about everything. In fact, I listed some of the things that they talked about. Number one, we get the Ten Commandments from this conversation. We also get how to make the ark. Like he's starting to tell them what, what's going on is God. I'm going to try to put this in the English simplest Mickeyism as I can. Are you ready? God's ready to have his presence on earth again and ready to have people be in his presence. So he's setting up a new covenant so that people can come and spend time with him without dying. Because to be in God's presence and to not be holy equal death. And so he sets up this new covenant. He says, I'm going to have this ark of the covenant. And this is what it's going to look like. And he tells them exactly how to build it. I mean, God is all about details. He also tells them how he's going to make these tents. And he's going to have this inner circle, which is the Holy of Holies. He even talks to how the priests who are going to go into the Holy Holies to represent the God's people what they should wear, what should be on. They should be bells on the bottom of their robe. Why? And a rope tied around their ankle. Because if the bell stopped, he wasn't clean. He died. They'd pull him out. A little bit somber there. Just a question, how big do you think your holiness is? If you want to get into God's presence, 
There is grace. But boy, if you'll become more holy, you'll be surprised how quickly he speaks to you. That's a different sermon, free of charge. You're welcome. But with that being said, he sets up all this different stuff. And then towards the end of these 40 days and 40 nights, and he talks about the priest's garments, he really gets really big on the Sabbath at the end of chapter 31 towards the close of this first 40 days and 40 nights. And then listen to what says in God's word. This is amazing to me. It's in verse 18 of chapter 31. And then we're going to get into 32. And he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai. That would have been on the Sinai Peninsula in between Egypt before you get to the promised land. And he gave him two tablets of the testimony. Tablets of stones written with the finger of God. Now, there's a lot of debate about what these may have been like, if it was more like a blue sapphire or if it was stone. There's a lot of debate about that. Here's what you need to know. There were two tablets. And Moses didn't write on those. God had taken the testimony of those first 40 days and 40 nights and with his finger had written everything that they needed to know on those tablets. What was on there? In particular, the 10 Commandments. The Ten Commandments represented God's new covenant with God's people. If you guys will obey by these things, I'm going to do what I've always said I was going to do, and I'm going to do these things. These are my promises to your obedience. I don't know about you, but could you imagine spending 40 days and 40 nights with God, number one, and when you got done with that, it's like he's like, I'm going to take these back to the people. Like you got two tablets that have God's words on them that he has written himself. Now just hit a pause button because we enter chapter 32 with this kind of coming to an abrupt ending. And I'm gonna give you the real quick paraphrase so I can get to where we're going today. Because God says, Moses, at the beginning of chapter 32, you need to take these tablets and you need to go back to the people. Because what's happening is, is God's people, all they know is that there's this mountain that has this cloud that looks like fire and they know that Moses has went up to spend time with God, but now people are starting to question and going, uh, did Moses die? Is he here anymore? So they go to Aaron, his helper, and they ask Aaron to give them something else to follow, to give them something else they could worship, to give them something else. And so Aaron makes this decision to go and collect all the gold that anybody has, rings or earrings or whatever it may be, and they make the image of a golden calf to worship. And God interrupts the 40 days and 40 nights, and he tells Moses, you need to go back to the people, tell them what I said, and God is extremely angry. Can I tell you what God's first response to the golden image was? And first of all, in verse seven, you're not gonna see this on the screen, but just to give you an idea of where we are in the story, and the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for the people who you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Just to let you know what's going on. They went from God's people, crossing the river, parted the reds, all these different things, to as soon as there wasn't a leader and a testimony in front of them, they immediately corrupted themselves. And listen to what God says, and you will see this on verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Translation, Moses, 
get out of here. So that I can do what God only can do. And I'm so upset at the way they so quickly walked away from me that my wrath is fixing to go all on them. And I'm wiping them all out. But you get ready, Moses, because there's a covenant I have with you, and I'm going to make you a great nation. That was God's first response to the golden calf. You say, well, what changed? One man's prayer. One man's petition. Listen to what Moses responded with in verse 11. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Israel would have been Jacob. Your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all that this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. I want you to understand that I think one of the things that we forget sometimes is we forget that whenever there's a love in our heart for people that's met with a love of God's heart for people, and we petition God, that it has a way to even, and I want to use this very, very, very loosely, change the heart of God. Don't mishear me. God is always completely in control. His sovereignty is amazing. But we can look at this scripture, and we see a God that is ready to wipe off the people from the earth. And a petition of one man's prayer that God listens to his prayer. I think sometimes we don't understand just how big of a deal our obedience and our presence with God and what we ask him for mean to other people's lives. In fact, one of the things I've been saying just about every morning in our 21 days of prayer is if today was the day that God said, yes, I hear you and I'm answering every one of your prayers. Would it change anybody else's life but yours? See, Moses didn't take the aspect of God saying, hey, I'm gonna make you a great nation and being like, woohoo, let's go, wipe them off. They've been driving me crazy anyway. I had to put a tent on the outside of camp. Why? Because the inside of camp, they all are nanny and whining and talking about it. He's like, these people, yeah, they, they, I, I've, I've put my tent on the outside of camp just to try to get away from some of them. But in this moment, his love for those people, he said, Lord, please. Scripture says he implored God. That's, that's the Hebrew word that's like he's begging God. He's saying, God, please. And God listened. Listen to what God says. It's the end of verse 14. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. See, I, I believe wholeheartedly that if we do what God's people did in the Bible, then God will do what he did in the Bible. Which means that if we will align in God's word and get obedient, then we can petition him not only on behalf of us, but on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our city, on behalf of our world, 
Is God still gonna be a just God every time? Is God still gonna be a holy God every time? Is God still ways higher than your ways? Every time. Knowledge more than your knowledge? Every time. But does God hear the heart of his people? Every time. And so you have this major situation that's going on where God's extremely upset and Moses is kind of playing the role like, Lord, come on, chill. He didn't say it like that. That's the Mickey translation. Like, Lord, why would you do this? This is only gonna give the Egyptians the ability to run around and tell everybody, see there, that God that they were talking about, all that he did was take them out in the desert to just kill them there. Don't give them that testimony. But do what you said you were gonna do. And I don't think it's the words in which Moses implored God. It was the heart and the motive that God heard his heart and he relented from what he was gonna do. You say, well, great, isn't that, that's a great story. So well, let's pray, let's go up here. We're gonna have, no, no, there's more to it. So they get done with that. Now listen to what Moses, like Moses is the calm one and God was ready for wrath. Now God tells him, this is great, this is the favorite part of the story to me. In verse 15, then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Now remember, these two tablets are from 40 days and 40 nights and they are written with the finger of God. And yes, they are the 10 commandments along with some other things. So he's hauling these down the mountain. He's coming back to the people. God's given them these things and written and engraved on the tablets. And then listen to what happens in verse 19 of chapter 32. And as soon as he, being Moses, came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. He threw down the tablets out of his hands. He broke them at the foot of the mountain. I want you to get this picture. Imagine you have two things that God has given you, that he has written, that are holy. Like these things are supposed to be put in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had one job, to carry the holiest of holy things because you couldn't carry those things with human hands. In fact, there's one story of a man that trips and puts his hand on the Ark, and he's one of the guys not supposed to carry it because it had poles, and when he touched the Ark, immediately he dies. You say, wow, that's how holy things were. Like sometimes we dumb down holiness out of grace. And these things were some of the things that were gonna be in the Ark of the Covenant. Some of the things that made this Ark of the Covenant holy in a place where God was gonna come down and dwell in that holy of holies and be with them. And he comes down the mountain and he's got these two holy tablets and he sees what's going on. And he goes, ah, and throws them down and breaks them. And here's what God told me. You ready? I think God's people have gotten so caught up in seeing how everybody else is reacting. And it's made us burn with anger. And we've unintentionally threw down the holy things of the Lord out of anger for something that has nothing to do with God. Like, I wish I could have been there. I wonder if there was a moment, like, after he threw them down and broke them, if he was kind of like, oh, man, I probably shouldn't have done that. I mean, I don't know about your life. I'll talk about my, like, I, there's a lot of things that 
Have you ever done something that was so stupid that two minutes afterwards you were so embarrassed, but you were too embarrassed to apologize? Just me? Sweet. Bunch of liars. I'm serious. I, I've said stuff. I'm not talking about profanity. I'm not talking, but I, I've said stuff that, I, that as soon as it came out of my mouth, and then I was so embarrassed about what just came out of my mouth that I didn't even know what, like, I just, like, I, 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 I just got to own this. That, that was stupid. Or just ignore it and hope nobody else noticed. And I wonder if Moses was like, oh, just, oh what, 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 oops. Like, what did he do? And here's what happened. From God's wrath, and Moses intervened, turned into Moses' wrath, and God had to intervene. I want to ask you a very personal question. What's happened in your life that you've observed? It may have been personally. It may have been something personally that you have done. Or it may have been something that somebody else did. It may have been something that somebody else did to you. Or it may have been something that somebody else did that affects you. That's made you so frustrated that just like Moses, because you're human, you've thrown down the holy covenant that God wants for you. And you've broken those things out of trying to address the things you're angry about. I think if we were to get real honest today, one week into 21 days of prayer, sometimes we struggle so much when we communicate to God and when we try to stop and listen to God because as soon as we start getting to that point of intimacy with God, things start coming up in our head and we just get so angry. We get angry at ourselves and the fact that we're still dealing with it. We get angry with God because we feel like that he's putting something on us. We get angry with other people that they're putting us in this situation that we have to deal with it. But just don't get to a point where your frustration and your anger for everything that's going on has created in you such a heightened state of anger that what God has given you to battle these wars, you're dropping and breaking because you're trying to fix something that you never broke or have the ability to fix. I mean, again, I, I don't think I'm the, the greatest, per, I don't even close, but I feel like if I spent an amazing amount of time with God's word and he gave me something like physically from our encounter, I feel like I would protect that. I feel like I wouldn't be quick just to drop that and break it. I'm that sentimental guy. Not too long ago, we were cleaning some stuff off, and, and my wife, I love her. I apologize in advance. I, this is a story because I love you. Not, But we, she had a coffee mug that she was throwing away that we got on our honeymoon 24 years ago. And I'm like, why are you throwing that away? And she's like, because we don't use it. Like, we've never used it. My point? And we don't have a lot of room? And I'm like, don't, you can't throw that away. That's our coffee mug from our honeymoon when we first got married. 
And she's like, okay, but does it make us any more married? I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't make us less married either. You're like, 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 like that's, that's something, it's sentimental. And she just laughs at me. She's like, you, you're, I think the word she uses here lately is weird. If I'm that consumed with stuff, you know, I've got a T-shirt in my bottom drawer that I never wear that says Easton on it. And it says 5201. Why? Because I had it on the day that my first son was born, whose name is Easton. You say, what do you do with that? Nothing. I've got an Easton bat underneath my bed. That on the day that Easton was born, everybody signed it. What do you do? Do you display? It's underneath my bed. It's got a golf club head cover over the top of it. Why? So that the ink doesn't get messed up. What are you going to do with that? I have no idea. One day, I'm going to die, and one of my grandchildren are going to have that bat out hitting rocks out in the driveway probably. And I'm going to be up looking down at them saying, what are you doing to my bat? If I'm like that about earthly things, how much more about spiritual things am I going to be like, whoa, hang on a second. Man, that means don't mess that up. Don't break that. Don't drop that. Don't get discouraged. Don't get angry. Don't do all of those things, right? But do you know, every time the storm comes in my life, Every time I get frustrated about something, do you know what the first thing I drop is? The spiritual things. Pastor Mickey, how's your time in God's word? Well, uh, how's non-existent sound? Pastor Mickey, how are you doing with your time praying and and making time for the Lord and starting off your day? Well, to be honest with you, uh, I don't. Because I get angry and I get frustrated and I, and I immediately unintentionally take my eyes off of the holy spiritual things and I drop those things because I feel like God's entitled me to be like, we're going to battle, we pick no wood, like it's on. And God's up there saying, well, wait a minute, now I, now I like a fighter. Don't mishear me. Scripture said he made you to be more than a conqueror. You know what that means? He likes you to fight when he's the one that's fighting with you. Today is a day for us to stop and realize, despite the things that may frustrate us, maybe we need to look at the ground and go, oops, I've I've broken the spiritual things in my life. This story doesn't end here because obviously, if the tablets would have remained broken, you wouldn't have Exodus. You wouldn't have the testimony of all this. So you know what happens in verse 34? 34 chapter one. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. And I will write on those tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. See, do you know even in the Old Testament, people think that that repentance and grace and salvation is a New Testament concept. The reality is, is no, Jesus is the, the 
answer to our repentance, but God's always been a God of second chances if we will pursue him and come to him with a part of of relinquishing ourselves and letting him be God. He's always, like the Old Testament, we think of God as being this God of wrath, and man, he was destroying people and fire and whoa. God has always been a merciful, redeeming God. But he also has been one that holds you accountable. Do you you catch what he said at the end of 34? Cut for yourself two tablets for stone like the first. And I will write on the tablets, the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Can I tell you the first step of redemption is ownership. God did not break this world. God did not break your life. God is not out to get you. God has not put anything against you. Scripture says he is for you. And if he could be for you, who could be against you? I'll tell you who can be against you. There's one person that has the ability to keep God from being your God. You. If you're not willing to pick up the holy things and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to say, not my will, but thine, then he says the wages of sin are death and eternity is hell. But I know if you're like me, there's been a time in my life that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior and I've never gotten over it. Now, my life is like this. Like, like if, if you were on my life, it'd be the greatest roller coaster ever because there's been some really high highs and they have dropped to some really low lows and it wasn't hands in the air and woohoo, this is great. It was holding on for dear life going, oh, what's happening? But just like his scripture says, he's allowed me to walk through the valley, not stay in it, and to start stepping and climbing back up to the next thing he had for my life when I'm obedient to him. In fact, this is what he tells Moses. Listen to these words. This is verse 10 of 34, and then I'm done. And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord For it is, and if you have a paper Bible, underline this word. It is an awesome thing that I will do with you. It's an awesome thing. To all my 80s people, did you know the word awesome was in God's word? He said, the things that I'm going to do are awesome. But then he says these words that are life-changing to me. Observe what I command you this day. Observe what I command you this day. See, I think most of us, we're like, woohoo, yes, Lord, give me the awesome. And observe what he commands you this day. Can I have a little bit of awesome without the observe, please? Like we're at a restaurant, right? Uh, Dear Jesus, can you put a little bit of awesome in my life? Please hold the observe. The observe I don't really like. The observe leaves a funky taste in my mouth or, make, you know, like it just, it just changes things. When I have to observe 
then all of a sudden there's things that I have to do that I don't really like to do, and I just want to do the things that I want to do. So can you give me a whole lot of awesome and hold the side of observe? And God's saying, I tell you what, buddy. How about you learn to consume the observe? And I'll show you an awesome you've never seen before. I'll do things in your life and in other people's lives that the people around you will go, whoo, that's awesome. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.